Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Do you have precious faith? Why is your faith considered precious? Have you ever thought of that? Why is it precious? Let me tell you why. Because it's of value, because it has and will continue to be tried and tested. God doesn't test us so that he can gain information. You know this. He tests us and allows us to go through things that we might learn something of ourselves. In, this, in, in, in Peter's first epistle, in chapter 1, uh, beginning in verse 7, he says... Uh, in verse 6 is, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. And notice what he says in verse 7, that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold. Notice that. Peter tells us today that faith is precious. Welcome, everyone, to today's Bible study on Truth in Christ Radio. Peter is writing to those who had experienced and received the same salvation he had experienced. This faith is a gift that we receive, not by the efforts of man, but by the mercy and grace of our God, and that's what makes it precious. Faith in Jesus is what gives each believer access to the throne. Remember, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Let's join Pastor Rob with today's message. As his first letter, it was the first century Jews who were now Christians and perhaps a mixture of Gentiles as well. Remember, they were on the run due to persecution by Rome and even from their fellow countrymen, the Jews. So Peter is writing this this second epistle to the same group of people. And you know, one of the greatest proofs of the gospel of Jesus Christ is the changed life. You know, you look at how God changed Peter's life, how he made him this very impetuous, very boastful man and turned him into something completely different. He didn't modify his, he didn't take away, though, his personality. He took his personality and he, he shaped it. And he used his personality. You know, because before Peter was born and baptized with the Holy Spirit, he was boastful, impetuous, confident. But after the day of Pentecost, he was humbled. He was changed. And God took all those character traits and overlaid them with his spirit and began the process of refining him, just like he's refining us. Do you sense the Lord refining you? It's called sanctification. It's a process. It takes time. It takes time. When I became saved, when, the, when, the, when Jesus Christ and his spirit came into my heart, I wasn't made a perfect person. I'm still not a perfect person, but God sees me perfect only because of Christ in me, the Holy Spirit in me. That's the only way. And now it's just living out the life, this life of sanctification, setting you apart. God is setting you apart. Are you allowing yourself to be set apart, to be separate? Didn't he say, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. It doesn't mean that you have to not fellowship or, or hang out with people who don't know Jesus. 
But if you're going to be with them, make sure you are a light and you are salt to them. You don't want to continue to take on the things that they hold on to. The old life that you used to hold on to, those old sins, you don't want to go anywhere near those things. So if you're going to be with an unbeliever, be a force for good. Be a disciple of Christ. Tell them the truth. Don't let them infect you with that old nature. You've got a new nature now. You infect them in such a beautiful way. You infuse them. You get them to encourage them to come to Christ. Give them an opportunity to come to Christ. But your boldness and your supernatural confidence in the word of God, it is going to be noticed. And it should. It should. Let's go back to verse 1 here. It says, Simon Peter, a bondservant, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Notice the order. You know, if it were me writing this letter, I might have said, Peter, the one who hung out with Jesus for three years. Peter, the apostle and bondservant. <laughs> no, but he says, Peter had learned so much at this very last letter. He's like, you know what? I am nothing. I'm a bondservant first. I'm a bondservant. I'm a bondservant before I'm an apostle. And you know, many today are hung up on titles. It seems that people are working really hard to earn respect, and especially in pulpits. And we, if we aren't careful about this, it, it's just it, our pride gets put on display. And boy, does that expose us. And boy, do we need to repent of that. Titles. I've actually heard of a pastor one time who had this title, and I won't tell you where it was. Uh, but I, just in my travels... I heard this, um, now I'm elaborating a little bit on this, but it was like, Pastor so-and-so, reverend, apostle, doctor, bishop. I mean, it was like, and, and I, I just thought, I almost wanted to stop and add some things. The, the you know, the protector of the nations, uh, you know, the glorious one, the one who has the hair, you know, you know, flip back, the, the, the beautiful, the magnanimous, the gorgeous, the humble. Right, <laughs> But notice, Peter says, first, I'm a bondservant. Before I'm ever an apostle, I'm a bondservant. And a bondservant, literally in the, in the original language, the word, you know this, it's doulos. Doulos is a slave who puts himself willingly, voluntarily, under the tutelage, under the authority of someone else. Willingly. Not out of force, not out of coercion. You willingly put yourself under them, and because they treat you so well. You know, we see many other epistles using this very same word. We see it in the, in the, the salutation in the book of James. In James chapter 1, verse 1, James, a bondservant of God. We see it in Jude. And by the way, James was a half-brother of Jesus. And Jude is a half-brother of Jesus. Hmm. Wouldn't they know if he was the Son of God or not? Wouldn't they know whether he was truly the Son of God or not? They would certainly know. So what, by including their, their letters in the, in the scripture, doesn't that encourage you? That these men who grew up with Jesus finally came to the point where like, you know what? We never did see him yell at mom. We never did see him rebel against dad. You know, he always did the right thing. And it wasn't until after his crucifixion, after his resurrection, a couple of his brothers came to faith. 
But we see it in Jude, in Jude chapter 1. Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James. We see it in Paul's letters. Romans verse one, ver, chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. Philippians 1, 1. Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ. Titus, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. This is what a bondservant is. A bondservant is someone who willingly puts themselves under. In Deuteronomy chapter 15, it says this. Verse 12, we're just going to read verse 12, and let me just read it to you for the sake of time. It says, If your brother, a Hebrew man or a Hebrew woman, is sold to you and serves you six years, then in the seventh year you shall let him go free from you. And then down in verse 16, and it says, And it happens, and if it happens, that he says, the, 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 the bond servant, if he says to you, I will not go away from you because he loves you and your house, since he prospers with you, then you shall take an awl. It's a little metal uh, post and thrust it through his ear to the door, and he shall be your servant forever, and also to your female servant you shall do likewise. It shall not seem hard to you when you send him away free from you, for he has been worth a double hired servant and serving you six years. Then the Lord your God will bless you in all that you do. So they would take this all when you're like, you know what, I've got no better place to be. I've enjoyed being under you. I've enjoyed serving you and this family for six years. I don't want to go out. I don't want to go out. I don't want, I don't want to be set free. You've made me feel so comfortable. I'm a part of the family now. You've treated me well. You've given me food and a house. You've given me a wife, and now I have, grand, you know, I have kids. I'm happy to serve unto you. And isn't that, isn't that wonderful when, out of your own volition, you decide, I want to serve this one. And that's who Peter was. He's so willing to serve Jesus Christ. Not out of coercion. He had been with him for three, three and a half years. And now he's saying, you know what, Lord, I'm your bondservant forever. No one I'd rather be with. There's no other master. Didn't they, didn't, didn't they come to Jesus and say, you know, Lord, where else can we go? You have the words of eternal life. Is there any place that we can go? The answer, obviously, is no. Have you tried searching for truth in this world and came, and came away empty? Or have you gone to the news outlets and go, I finally found truth. Hallelujah. No, you don't. Have you gone to anyone else, any other guru, and found truth that set you free where you knew it was true? Evidence of it was true? It was true in your heart, and it changed your life. Have you found truth? You can search. You can search. And you will come away empty until you finally come to Christ. But Peter, a bondservant, and he also said, I'm an apostle. The word apostle is apostolos, which means a, a delegate, and a, an official. And specifically, it's applied to the 12 apostles of Jesus Christ. Believe it or not, there's an eligibility to be an apostle. And it's written for us in Acts chapter 1. You remember, after the ascension of Jesus Christ, after Judas had hung himself, Peter and them were all together, and they're thinking to themselves, you know, now there's only 11 of us. So they're thinking, well, why don't we just pray and we'll ask the Lord who it should be. And, and then here is the, the thing, and they had scripture to back it up. It says, for it is written, uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 20, for it is written in the book of Psalms, let his dwelling place be desolate, speaking of Judas, and let no one live in it, and let another take his office. So here they are by the Spirit of God. 
thinking to themselves, we need to replace Judas. So therefore, verse 21, of these men who have accompanied us, now here's the requirement for being an apostle. When somebody says today that they're an apostle, no, they're not. You can have that lofty title if you want, but there's specific requirements to be an apostle, and here it is. Therefore, of these men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John to that day when he was taken up from us, there it is. There's the, there's the requirement. One of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. And you remember, they cast lots and they, they chose Matthias. And then down in verse 25, it says, to take part in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell that he might go to his own place. And they cast their lots and the lot fell on Matthias. So being an apostle, there's only 12 of them. Actually, maybe 13 because we know that the apostle Paul was an apostle as well. But let's talk about precious faith. Look at at verse 1 again. It says, To those who have obtained like precious faith with us, by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Notice that it's because of the righteousness of God and Savior, Jesus Christ, that we have obtained this precious faith. Do you have precious faith? Why is your faith considered precious? Have you ever thought of that? Why is it precious? Let me tell you why. Because it's of value, because it has and will continue to be tried and tested. God doesn't test us so that he can gain information. You know this. He tests us and allows us to go through things that we might learn something of ourselves. In, this, in, in, in Peter's first epistle, in chapter 1, uh, beginning in verse 7, he says, uh, in verse 6, says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. And notice what he says in verse 7, that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold, notice that, much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And you and I both know, we've talked about this before, that whenever a goldsmith will refine gold, 24 karat gold is very is pure. It's pure. And it's very easily, you could shape it with your hand. It's so malleable. In fact, they would use that to make all kinds of different things. Very easy to maneuver. But 14 karat gold is only 58% pure. Now there's all kinds of other impurities in that gold, and it makes it harder. Those are like alloys. They, they, they're, they're in there with the gold. They make it harder to deal with. 14 karat gold, that's what this ring is on my finger. 14 carats. But if I was to press on this, if this was 24 karat gold, I could press on that and bend it. But because of all the impurities still left in this ring. And that's what our faith is. God is allowing these things to happen in your life. Difficulties, trials, temptations. He doesn't tempt. The tempter tempts. But all these things are meant to bring all this stuff to the surface. And when you're feeling like you're in a furnace, God can take that, that skimmer and he skims off the top all that impurity. And he turns up the fire again. You're hoping maybe this will be the last trial. No, unfortunately, it's probably just the first. And you go through it again. He does another skimming. He heats it up. He skims it again. Before long, you come forth. Your faith, you come forth like gold. That the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes. That's what your faith, that's how precious it is to God. You remember Daniel and Shadrach, or I'm sorry, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. As they refused to bow before that image of gold that Nebuchadnezzar had set up in the plain of Dura, 
or in Shinar there, and, and they refused. And the king gave them an opportunity, another opportunity. Think about it, guys, next time it happens. And sure enough, all the music starts, they don't bow. He says, all right, I've had it. Takes those guys, puts them in the, and heats the, the furnace up seven times hotter. Puts them in coats and tunics and puts all this stuff on them. They were going to be living candles. And they throw them into the fiery furnace. And of course, Jesus is in there with them. And only the things that come off are the, are the, are the bands that were holding their hands together. They didn't even have the smell of smoke on them because they were in the presence of Jesus. They'd have been happy staying there for the, for the afternoon. But their faith was being tried. Because you know what they said? I love this. <laughs> they said to Nebuchadnezzar, We have no need to answer you in this matter concerning bowing down to this image. If that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. Notice the boldness. We need that boldness today, folks. And that boldness can only come through the baptism of the Spirit of God. Do you need that? I need that. And you know, it's not some weird show. It's not even for us. I need that boldness so I can be a light. I can be a loving light. Somebody who's screaming and yelling, I doubt, are baptized with the Spirit of God, but somebody who is bold and telling people the truth and love, that's a whole different matter. You need that. I need that. Pray for it. Pray for it. You need that. You need it every single day, as often as the Lord wants to give it to you. And it's his business. I don't have an app that I can just go, baptism. Boom. Oh, wow. Energizer bunny. No, there's no app. It's up to him when he chooses to do it. But will you pray about saying, Lord, any time that you choose, when I'm around people that don't know you and you know the reason, you you light me up, Lord. You give me that boldness to share. Deliver me from my fear of man. And that's part of what our outreach is. Pray for the baptism of the Spirit of God before we go out. That you can be bold, lovingly bold. Because a lovingly bold person doesn't turn off people. They may, not reject, they may reject your message. They may reject anything you have to give them or say to them. But they will know that there has been love on their doorstep. And you can do it in love. There was no other person like Jesus on the planet. He was the most loving. We need, folks, we need that. We need the baptism of the Spirit of God. Never cease to ask for it. Always ask for it. And pray that God will bless you. Believe me, you'll be the better for it. Your whole life will be much better for it. You'll have an assurance, a, 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 a wonderful relationship with God. You need it. I need it. But notice what he, he went on and said. He says, but if not, he, God's going to deliver, deliver us from your hands, O king. And then he says in verse 18 of Daniel 3, but if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. So God's going to deliver us out of your hand. And if he doesn't, Big deal. (laughs) Believe me, are those words of a man who's afraid of of death? They were already dead before they even stepped foot in that furnace. They were dead to self. And God says, you know what? I'm going to bless those guys. And I'm going to... And you know, it wasn't even just for them as well. Do you realize that they were a witness unto who? Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar, we believe, got saved as a result of Daniel and his three fellows. It was because of their boldness, because of their zeal, and also a witness to God. What? To God? These three use a witness to God? Well, in Acts chapter 1, it says this. 
Jesus said, But you shall receive power when he is speaking to the disciples. You shall receive power, verse 8 of Acts chapter 1, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, notice, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. But notice, you shall be a witness to me, not a witness of you. When we are a witness to people, that's certainly good. And and, and that happens. But when you're a witness to God... (laughs) You're basically saying to him, when your faith is tested and you're witnessing to the Lord uh, concerning the investment that he has made in you, the Spirit of God has been placed in you, and now he's saying, I'm going to see the return of the investment. I'm going to see the return of the investment. And it's a witness to God because he sees his own Spirit in you working. And he says, I like that. It's a witness to him. It's a witness to him. It was a witness to Nebuchadnezzar and certainly a witness to those three Hebrew youths. I love this phrase. It says, a faith that cannot be tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. You've heard this before, me saying this, and I love it so much, I'm just going to repeat it all afternoon. A faith that cannot be tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. I tell you what, those three youths, they trusted God, and God was faithful on behalf of them. And they knew something about themselves, didn't they? They knew something about God that most of us, including myself, don't know. Because when you're willing to take the ultimate step and actually put your life on the line as these guys did, there's nothing else. There's nothing left. But see, that's what boldness does. That's what the Spirit of God does in a life that is surrendered to Him. You know, William MacDonald had this to say. I love this. He says, When prevailing conditions are favorable, it might be easy to be a Christian. But when public confession of Christ brings persecution and suffering, then the casual followers drift away and are lost in the crowd. A religion which costs nothing is worth nothing. And faith which refuses to pay the price is spurious. It is the kind of say-so faith that James condemns. And see, that's, that's God's desire for us, is that we would grow in our faith and, and see every trial, every difficulty in your life as that. As it's just God's way of showing you. He's putting you on display. He's putting you on display. And he wants you to grow. And your precious faith is valuable not only to you, but to God and also to others. Isn't that what it says in Philippians? Uh, Paul said this. He says, Work out your own salvation with fear and with trembling, for it is God, again, who works in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So work out what he's got already inside of you. He's giving you the Spirit of God. Work it out. But notice, you can't do that in the flesh. The very next verse tells us, It is God who works in you, both to will. Notice, first to will and then to do. Aren't you so glad that that's the case? Because if he first made me do and then caused my will to catch up later, I'd be really angry and frustrated. So don't worry about God's will. When, he's, when he wants to do something with your life, he's going to give you a burden. He's going to give you a desire to do it, and you're going to want to do it. It's going to be something like, if I don't do this, I'm just going to pop. <laughs> Have you ever felt that way sometimes? And something, I gotta do this thing. I wanna do, I, I, I want, I, more than anything, my, more than my next breath, I wanna do this thing. And God is able to do that in you. And He does that. He first caused you to will for it. And then He says, okay, now the, now the hard part is done. The battle is over. The battle has been won in the will. Now go out and do. Well, that's easy. <laughs> the hard part is what happens in here privately that nobody can see. The battle of wills. Am I going to will to bend my will to God, or am I going to do my own thing and ask him to bless it? No. 
He will change your will, and then he will cause you to do it. And guess what? It's going to be powerful. You could do that in the flesh, and it wouldn't yield the same results. But now, because you're willing, and he's changed your heart, and he's baptized you, all of a sudden, big difference. We see that in Peter. Peter can speak before the baptism of the Spirit, before that day of Pentecost. Nothing happens. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in Peter's second epistle. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play or Apple Podcast. We are so glad that you could join us today, and if there is any way that we could bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.